0: Welcome to CTU Speaks, episode 17, Remote Learning, Teaching from a Distance.
1: I was taught by a Chicago teacher, Chicago
2: teacher, Chicago teacher. I learned to read and write from a Chicago teacher, so I'm inspired by the fight from my Chicago teacher.
0: I am your co-host, Andrea Parker, and I'm joined with
1: Jim Starros.
0: And we will be here today talking to three elementary school teachers about their experiences so far with remote learning. We know that remote learning is going to officially go into effect on Monday, April 13th, 2020. But before April 13th, um, because our last day of school was March 16th, uh, many teachers across the city of Chicago have been... Um, teaching remotely doing a variety of things so we are want to hear some experiences from teachers and they want to yeah. talk about their experiences their successes as well as their challenges with remote learning and how we can you know make them better That's so right. Jim Jim, you and I are teachers um, what, have are. Been, uh, what has been your experiences so far with remote learning
1: well it's been a difficult adjustment um, mm-hmm. right now because I'm uh, Working full-time at CTU as a field rep, I'm only teaching one class, my AP government class. Okay. And that class in particular is kind of difficult because at this point of the year, I would be just doing review for the AP exam that comes up the first week of May. Right. And a lot of it is um, practice stuff, we, questions kids have specifically, me helping them individually on particular issues they might have. Yeah. So it's been really difficult trying to figure out how to transition that from in person to online. And I'm sure it's like that for all the AP teachers that are out there.
0: Yeah. But um, as me teaching middle school students, I uh, it is a challenge reaching out to them um, and just making sure that they have all the technology they need. They know how to navigate once they're online and making sure they have that parental guidance, right, or that custodial support or caregiver support to make sure that they are on task. And you know, sometimes it's a challenge to have students on task when they're in your presence.
1: That's right. And so
0: <laughs> <laughs> having students be on task when they're not in your presence can be a challenge. Um, but I'm still hopeful,
3: yep, and um, I
0: look forward to April 13 and see what the future holds in reference to that. But um, we're going to hear some other teachers and just hear their experiences and their challenges and. I'm thankful for that.
1: That'll be good. Let's hear them right now.
0: So welcome back to CTU Speaks. We are joined with some educators from Chicago Public Schools, Carla Jones, Arthur Jerim, and Comfort Akbula. and they're going to discuss their experiences with you in reference to remote learning. But first, I'm going to let them introduce themselves in detail.
2: Hello, everyone. My name is Carla Jones. I am a fourth and fifth grade ELA teacher Mm -hmm. on the south side of Chicago. I have been with the district for 18 years now, and I -hmm. have actually been at the same school for all 18 years. So I have really had the opportunity to really grow with the community that I teach. in. Yeah.
0: Wow. 18 years. That's unheard of to be 18 years at the same Mm -hmm. school. (laughs) Mm hmm. Yes. Jim was also, Jim, wasn't you also 18 years at your yep. school or is it 20? Yep.
1: No, this is 18 at, at King, same school. Yep.
0: Ah, interesting. It might be I something, know. Carla,
3: 18 years. I know. We're,
1: we're buddies. <laughs> we're 18 year buddies. <laughs> <All>
0: okay. <right. laughs>
3: Hi, everyone. I am Arthi Jerom. I'm a preschool teacher at Audubon Elementary. I am in my seventh year of teaching. Um, I'm also on CTU's um, executive board and um, just excited to be here. I'm Comfort
4: Agbola. I'm a sixth through eighth grade writing teacher at STEM Magnet Academy. I've been teaching for seven years and five years in the district.
0: So, guests, how are you all feeling during this time? What's going on? How are you all feeling and able to adjust during this time of remote learning and not being presently or physically with your students?
3: Uh, This is Arthi. I think I'm feeling like many people, which is. Um, so many emotions at, at one time going from right. stress to feeling happy to feeling like capable of doing this to feeling like I have no idea um, what I'm doing. It's definitely a huge difference and change for teaching preschool. Um, we're having to work directly through parents and not able to work directly through um, students, um, which is just a very big, um, big difference for us.
1: Yeah, it's a big change.
3: This is Carla, and I am feeling
2: very overwhelmed, Um, even though I was expecting the change and I was expecting us to be out of school. uh, Honestly, I thought that we'd be back by now. And now knowing that we are going to be in this for another month, um, I am very overwhelmed and almost feeling like I am not meeting the needs of my students during this time.
4: Um, This is Comfort. I've just tried to stay pretty flexible and realistic with myself, um, knowing that my students are further away and they're doing monitoring of their own learning and activities, just trying to make myself available and still keep flexibility.
0: So we know that this is pretty sudden. Uh, We know that the news of staying home occurred on Friday, March 13th. And that was, no, we had pretty little much time to prepare. went to school on that Monday And we had to be ready to go by that Tuesday to provide some type of instruction for the kids. So how did you all prepare for this remote learning process?
2: This is Carla. I think for me, the biggest thing the last day that I was with my students was really to acknowledge the time that we were in. Uh, I can honestly say like I did not push the packets or the remote learning as much, uh, but more so this is where we are as a nation and this is something that is unprecedented and something that we are all trying to figure out. And so really just looking at the emotional side with my students and allowing my students to be able to express those emotions that they were feeling, knowing that we were about to be out of school and really not knowing where the end was going to be. So I try to focus on the emotional, social and emotional side of the learning as opposed to the academic and content side of it.
0: And what did that look like, Carla, when you so, said the social emotional side?
2: So I do a lot with uh, morning meetings and peace circles and students just really being comfortable and building classroom community around seeing individuals for who they are and what they are feeling. And so we did just that. We had a time where we were not necessarily circled up, but just a time where we were able to express. I did not have the greatest attendance on that Monday, uh, but those students who were there, we we talked. We talked about how we are feeling and what changes um, could we possibly see in the coming weeks? And then my students being able to express that, them being able to express what they've seen on the news, what they've seen going on in other countries, them being able to ask, like, is that what it's going to be like here? And me not knowing, being able to express to them, I don't know. I, I, I don't know where we're going to be, but this is where we are now.
0: Arthur, you're confident you want to express uh, any way that had you prepare yourselves or your students. Uh, for the remote learning process?
3: Uh, sure. This is Arthi. Um, I think one of the challenges for me was that um, I am someone with um, compromised immune system with chronic illness, and mm-hmm. I didn't go in on um, Monday to um, help protect um, myself and also to to help protect my students. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with that, you know, this all kind of happened quickly on the end of um, with CPS, even though some of us expected it to be happened. So I didn't actually have a chance to be able to prepare packets. Um, I wasn't at school on Monday. Um, at the beginning of the year, I always send home like kind of an at home, um, kind of learning packet that parents can work on at home. Um, similar to Carla, very much, um, teach with social emotional learning, very much a responsive um, teacher, but I feel like the parents had some things like a play-based calendar for every month of the year. Um, But it was definitely um, challenging because I didn't get to explain any of that to my um, students um, directly. You know, it was done by another teacher um, and luckily my um, uh, PSRP was also there um, to help explain some of it to the students.
4: Uh, hello, this is Comfort. Um, for like the past five years, I've had one-to-one access with computers in my classroom. So technology and content wasn't a major focus for me that day. It was more focused on how are they feeling and getting everyone ready for adjusting to this new normal that we're going to have to work through.
1: What are some of the remote learning tasks you guys have been doing? I know they've been asking us as teachers to try to figure out how to continue to enrich the students and keep them on task so they're not losing time for for learning. Uh, What are some of the ideas you guys have had and put into place for your classes?
3: This is Arthi. Um, You know, for for preschool, so much of our, our teaching is teaching about the the children, you know, they say things to us and that changes our whole entire lesson. Um, you know, one time we just did a whole lesson on a Venn diagram of the difference between a unicorn and a horse, because that's (laughs) what the kids wanted to know. So figuring out how to teach in the, in this way on through remote learning has been challenging. Some things that have been successful. Yeah. Have been, um, I have done some recordings and sent it through, um, my, um, through iCloud. Um, I often do songs with children um, saying their names, like if I was going to sing to Jim right now. So I sent a video <laughs> out to all my students saying like, hello, Jim. Hello, Jim. How are you? I miss you. I'm so glad you're home safe and home. Hello, Jim. Hello, Jim. And that response Got the most response from my parents. Um, So many of them sent me emails saying that like their child just like brightened up. I got recordings sent back. Um, I also sent a newsletter asking for everybody to send um, pictures of their child at home so that all the other kids could see everybody. And I'm working with technology with Zoom and Seesaw to kind of get that up and going so kids can see each other and their work.
1: Those are some great ideas.
4: Very good ideas. Hello, this is Comfort. So some of the stuff that I've been doing with remote learning, um, I've been using Google Forms for grammar skills assignments. These were skills that were previously taught, and I just wanted them to practice with it more. Um, one very interactive experience was a poetry assignment. So part of the assignment was conducted through Nearpod, and the other was connected through Flipgrid. So students wrote poems and then they were able to perform them for their peers and comment with video to their peers. So it was bringing mm. that con- community back that we had sort of suddenly taken away. Um, and then also setting up Google Meet office hours where I was able to meet with some small groups of students. Nice. Nice. Wow, well, I
0: like you're doing a whole lot. I'm going to take some of those ideas and incorporate them into my remote <laughs> learning. So thank you for sharing because I teach middle school um, English language arts as well.
2: So for me, um, even before the break, I did a lot with Google Classroom. Uh, so that's been the way that I've been engaging with my families and parents. Uh, I use Google Classroom and then I have the Remind app to stay engaged with my parents. Just... Um, Honestly, checking on their well-being and seeing how they're doing before we even got to the content. So I'll post like a daily question and have students respond to the question. I've received a couple. I've listened to a couple of podcasts um, surrounding the uh, COVID-19 that I've shared with my students. That was kid centered and creating assignments around that. But everything has pretty much been on Google Classroom as a platform for me to communicate with my families.
0: Carla, can you tell us what? What is the Remind app? And then, also, you can tell us like what podcast were you listening to to that you that was kid friendly?
2: So, I the Remind app is just a way for me to stay connected with my families. So, it allows me to connect with my pa- my families without them seeing my actual phone number. Uh, so, I receive text messages. I can send out newsletters. Parents can message mm-hmm. me in regards to. Um, Whatever their concerns might be, I can message them. I can send photos uh, related to the learning that we have done through the day. It's just a great way to stay connected uh, with families. And it's a, a one stop where I'm not sending multiple emails or text messages. I can send out a group message to my various classrooms And then the podcast that I found was actually done by The Daily, and it was the Friday that we were out, and it was um, kids, I think it was titled Kids' Response to Coronavirus, and they had kid questions. So kids were asking questions related to the coronavirus, and doctors and researchers were answering their questions. So not only did I have my own daughters listen to it, but after we listened to it, I felt like it would be appropriate for my students. So I posted it on the Google Classroom and just created a very simple assignment um, centered around what were their questions and what they learned about the coronavirus because of that podcast.
0: Um, That's good. Very good. So what are some successes and challenges teaching students through the remote learning process? Um, I see that you all already kind of said some some um, successes based off the assignments you are getting uh, or giving those sound very um, successful. But um, if you have any more successes and some of the challenges that you are facing as an educator during this time.
4: So this is comfort. Again, um, some successes that I've noticed are students are taking ownership of their learning. So they're retrying their assignments. They're producing amazing work and they're actively helping each other. Um, a cool. challenge that I faced was with remote learning is one that's the case with paper assignments, making sure that mm. there's a mm-hmm. parent or guardian who is able to monitor task completion. So I think this okay. has been the same with paper assignments that it's been with remote learning. But now there's not that check in with me the next day in class. Anybody else want to share?
3: This is Arthie. Um, I think... Uh, one other success that I had is um, right now I'm trying to also use this time. Um, I live alone to um, figure out how I can engage myself and engage my students. So we're learning about um, pets. So I've been wanting to do more drawing. So I drew um, some turtles and um, kind of sent out some questions to the, the families. Um, what would a turtle right? you know, <laughs> and I asked them to draw a turtle. Um what should our turtle habitat look like? We have these wooden turtles in our classroom that we were going to paint to be like our classroom pet. Um, And, you know, just saying like, you know, write your first and last name. Should our turtle have, have um, a first and last name? And I think um, at first I didn't hear back from a lot of people and I've been trying to send um, a daily email, not with um, assignments, but just to have some grace and understanding that, um, you know, parents, we're just trying to um, re- reach out to you and that we're in a partnership with you um, and that we just want to kind of check in in with you. I um, finally heard back from all of my parents um, yesterday and I feel um, so grateful. Many of them expressed that it's it, yeah, it's very challenging for for them with um, young kids. Some of them, um, some parents are essential workers. They're working um, at hospitals and right now, like mm-hmm. doing extra learning for their students is is for their child is challenging for them. Um, and we have parents who are working from home and, you know, they might have one, one computer, but they don't have a computer for their child. And also how many, how many three to four year olds know how to actually like use, use a computer and they shouldn't, um, um, you know, as pre-K teachers, one of the things that we've been talking about kind of as a grade level is that balance of, um, what's developmentally appropriate for, um, screen time and what's not. And, um, I, I, I think that's also like a, cha- a challenge for us because we don't use a lot of technology as much in the classroom and our students don't have emails from pre-K through second grade. So it's, it's communicating through parents' email addresses.
0: Right. Because with pre-K through second grade, they don't have access. To, they don't have CPS email right. addresses. Yet, no, they don't. Right? And so how do you reach out to parents of?
3: Uh, get them online. Um So I, you know, right. I had a list of everybody's, you know, e- email addresses, you know, send, send out, you know, newsletters and information, you know, regular regularly. So, you know, I'm continuing to do that. And now adding in things like um, Seesaw, adding in Zoom. It's also been a, a challenge because my computer keeps shutting down the CPS computer every once in a while. Okay. Um, and I've been on the phone back and forth with um, with CPS. They're <laughs> doing the best they can. But like, you know. Nice. We're not on CPS's network, so it's hard for them to go in and fix the computers. But um, I'm getting a new computer from my from my school to borrow on Friday. Well, yeah, I
2: would definitely agree with what was um, said. Comfort in the sense of like student ownership, um, just me being able to provide like that immediate feedback to the ownership that they are showing through Google Classroom has been a definite success. And then Arthur to hear you just talk about like how. Parents are responding on just a whole new level. Um, there were some parents that I had difficulty connecting with throughout the year yeah. through the Remind app. Um, but now because of the situation that they are in, they have um, been overwhelming in their response and connecting with me on the Remind app because that's the only way they can get to me now. So that's a definite success. But when I think about challenges, um, and as I said with uh, in my introduction, just Having to deal with, am I really meeting the needs of my students, especially those students who do not have the means to connect through Internet or do not have the means um, to complete the work on Google Classroom because all they have um, is their parents' cell phone. So that is uh, has been a concern and an area of opportunity for me. It's how am I reaching those individuals that do not have the digital access during this time?
0: And what I call you also a parent. You said you have some daughters, correct? Yes, and what? How
2: old are your, are your daughters? So I have a third grader and a second grader, and so that as a parent, that has been a yeah. challenge—just learning how to homeschool them, uh, because homeschooling your own is completely different than a classroom of twenty-nine. <laughs> yes, right,
0: because you're homeschooling and you still re- and doing remote learning, I and so are yes. they like learning at the same time as you're teaching, or you have like a separate time.
2: Yeah, I'm still I'm still learning that um, because I try and have my daughters complete their work and their teachers have been phenomenal. Um, I am also a CPS parent, so their teachers have been phenomenal in regards to providing meaningful, engaging activities for them during this time. So I'm very thankful for their teachers. Um, but I, I do have to multitask in the morning to whereas once I get them started on their assignments, I try and do a little bit with uh, my commitments and my responsibilities to my students. And it's kind of like a back and forth. It's not OK from nine to 10. I'm working and then 10 to 12. I'm working with my daughters. It's kind of all mixed in together. And I had to have a conversation with my daughters in the beginning um, like I'm still working, too. Even though you see me at the kitchen table with you, I still have job responsibilities and students who need me um, just as much as you do. So we did have to have an understanding in the beginning of um, just because you see me doesn't mean that I am readily available to you at this time.
1: Right. That's an important lesson to learn. (laughs) Yes. So I was just one, like, beyond what you guys have had to do for your classrooms and technology and stuff like that, and the problems that we've got with remote learning, what have you guys learned about your own teaching and your own, your own selves as educators? When I, when I have to think of my classroom, a lot of what I do is sort of I respond to what the students are talking about. Um, I forget somebody had earlier talked about, uh, a Venn diagram of a horse and a, a unicorn. That is not something I think I would have come up with in a lesson plan. That's something that came, was generated from the kids. And it's gotta be really hard to do that remotely because you don't have that kind of interaction amongst the whole classroom where these kind of weird, but really good ideas get generated from sort of a grassroots level of the classroom. So how do you, how do you kind of, Adapt what you're doing and kind of change what you've been doing for the last, you know, five, six, 18 years.
2: This is Carla. So one thing for me, and I think it was almost a relief to know that standardized testing had been waived and, you know, there wasn't going to be a big push. I now feel like um, I can teach if that makes any sense. Like I am not uh, thinking about, a test or thinking about my students reaching a certain percentile, like I can really focus on project-based learning, uh, which Mm -hmm. is something that I honestly have struggled with in the wake of testing and and having to um, have my students do well in a test. I struggled with incorporating project-based learning into that. And so this has really given me the outlet, us being out to push project-based learning to, whereas knowing that, um, there is no mo- remote learning that will substitute the teaching that my students receive in the classroom. I can now do projects for my students, to whereas they are, as Comfort said, taking on that ownership of their learning, but I am doing it in a project-based style, um, to whereas my students can can learn more than they probably would have within the classroom because of the projects. Okay. So that's definitely something that I have learned as myself. And I'm still learning as an educator, just how to incorporate that into my classroom.
4: I just wanted to piggyback on what she said about NWEA testing and that not being a constraint. I did feel like a lot of weight lifted off my shoulders when I heard about that. And I was able to focus more on instruction and building a curriculum that was responsive to my students more than just focusing on the tests.
0: Just learning how to be more and more flexible, like having a plan A, a plan B, a plan C, a plan D. Um, And I was just thinking about students who are not going to be in your classroom. And I was just thinking about ways to learn remotely because there may be circumstances again where children are not in your class or maybe due to an illness um of vac- um an extended stay somewhere and they need access and so just um open to my mind that um the new there's going to be a new normal that I don't think things are going to be the same as they once was before um, this quarantine that is going to it's going to go back to normalcy but it will be a new type of normalcy that we got to continue to adjust and be flexible and be proactive and think about these things in advance. So it just made me think to just be an advanced thinker and to be flexible and just, constantly just think of innovative ways to teach um, in different types of um, environments.
3: This is Arthi. And I think one of the a uh, the things that has been challenging is I feel like very much like how Jim, Jim said, very like responsive to the students. And I think, you know, a difference between what, um, Carla and comfort said is for the pre-K level, there's less student ownership with this because, um, we are directly working with the families who have been, um, wonderful and they want their, their students to learn, but it's just so much different than, um, you know, in the classroom when kids learn from one another, that's a big part of what we do in, um, Preschool and they can't they can't see each other, they can't hear each other. So I think it's challenged me to find um different technologies. Um, you know, one of the reasons I just recently started using um Seesaw is because, you know, you can actually record like a little a little lesson, like um uh, you know, one one that they already have pre-recorded is, you know, here's a stuffed animal tell me about this stuffed animal in three different ways. And the kids can describe something on their own and they can press something and they can actually talk because, you know, they, they can't email us, us back. They can't um, send us the photos on um, back. That all has to come from um, the parent. So um, it definitely presents a different, different challenge. And I've, um, like Andrea said, learning to become more flexible with technology and I'm not very tech savvy. So I'm having to become more tech savvy through all of this.
0: So just based on what you have done so far with the remote learning process, what do kids or our students need to be most successful with the remote learning? How can we really empower them or the district or a principal? How can we empower them as a teacher, as a district to make sure they have what they need to be successful during this time?
3: This is Arthy. I mean, for me, for early childhood, I think for many early childhood educators, I think the main thing is um, making sure that our students or our families know that their um, social, emotional and physical health is the most important thing, thing right now to keep reminding them um, how I heard back from all of my parents is the ones that I didn't hear back from. I just sent them a message just saying, um, I just wanted to check in, you, check in with you. How are you? You know, immediately I got responses back saying, oh, I'm so sorry. I haven't done this. I haven't done that. And I said, that is not at all what i'm worried about right now or what i'm caring about what i want is just to know that you are okay and then from there i started getting more pictures of turtles more pictures of kids <laughs> kids kids writing their name i think it's just like us as educators what we want from you know the people that we're working with our coworkers from our administration is also some some level of care for us socially, um, emotionally, mentally. And I think the more that we do that, the more that we um, will hear hear from kids. And just a reminder that everything is learning at this young age. Um, so if you're not doing the work that we're asking you to do, your kids are learning and that parents are doing that the best that they can.
2: This is Carla. Um, one thing that I think is almost essential um, with remote learning is some type of access to technology. I think we are really seeing uh, the gap in technology in the families that we service. And so for all students to not just be one-to-one at school, but to be one-to-one at home. And because you are one-to-one also having like those hotspots, whether it is a setup in the neighborhood or whether it is making sure that each home has what it needs. There needs to be um, some type of internet access for for all families, just as we are are intentional within the district being one-to-one. Why can't our families be one-to-one at home also? And we as a district give them what they need um, to be one-to-one at home.
0: Carl, that's a very good point. I think that's one reason why um, CPS is distributing 100,000 laptops, um, not laptops, but Chromebooks to the students. We don't know how yet, um, but also we got to figure out how we're going to get that internet access once they get those Chromebooks.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I mean, that points out the how deep that digital divide is among some of our students here in the city. I mean, the fact that we need to hand out 100,000 Chromebooks out right. of a district of, what, about 330,000 students? That's like a third, yeah. That's a, that's a lot. That's a big percentage of our of our system that doesn't have access to what we all just take for granted. That's just what we all have. And and it's just not true for a good portion mm-hmm. of our, our mm-hmm. uh, families.
0: Yeah, because internet access is not cheap.
1: Nope. Nope. And yeah. neither is the computers. And, and with that, sure. then they still need to know how to use it just because you have a computer and internet doesn't mean you know how to use it effectively doesn't mean you know how to do all this and even with (laughs) this remote learning stuff how long did it take our producer eric to help us figure out how to link up our microphones today Uh, right and we're theoretically smart people here we should know how to do this and this is something that is not a small feat to be able to do throughout the whole city and it shows how far behind we've been Mm -hmm. historically and how far we've got to go
0: good point jim and last question. So um, just so and it kind of ties into the challenges. So how can we empower parents and make sure that parents are partnering with teachers um, to make sure that they are providing they're helping provide their children with the best remote learning experience?
4: Um, this is comfort. I would just say reaching out to the teacher. So if you have any questions, emailing um any concerns that they may have. I think this is a great opportunity to partner with Mm -hmm. your student's teacher uh, with their education, even if it's as high-tech or as low-tech as they're being provided with. It's an opportunity to connect. This
2: is Carla. So there's a quote that I sent out at the beginning of the year to parents, um, but it just talks about how parents sometimes forget that they are the first teachers. Mm -hmm. And so I think that this is a time for us to really empower our parents to understand that teachers are there to work alongside you on this education process. But ultimately, the goal is for you as the parent to be the first teacher. And so I think when you talk about empowering our parents, Andrea, I think about what are we doing to to build parents up for them to feel like they are in a place to teach their child. So really going back to learning is all around us. It is not in a textbook. So what experiences can you and your family engage in so that learning is taking place in real life? And so allowing parents to understand how, I mean, this is different now in the face of social distancing and COVID, but going to the grocery store, riding on a CTA bus, like what learning can you see around you um, and what conversations and discussions can you engage in? with your child, just as you were going about your daily life. And so allowing parents, empowering them to understand that the learning is in everything that we do throughout the day and allowing your child to come alongside you with the everyday portion of your life.
3: This, this is Arthi. Um, Carla, I can't wait for parents to be able to hear um, this podcast. It's one thing for me as an early childhood um, teacher to explain to my parents all of the things that you said, that everything that they're doing is learning. It's another thing to hear it from parents. And I'm super excited for my parents in my classroom to hear what you um, you are saying. Um, I think, you know, the, the partnerships, you know, we've started building from the beginning of the, the school year, and we're just continuing to um, build those partnerships and allowing parents to have some flex- flexibility, you know, not this is due at this time, um, but that, you know, here is some learning um, that you can do. Here are some options that you can do. Here are some enrichment activities that that you can do and do them when you have time, because your schedule is not necessarily going to um fit my schedule. So I think, you know, we're working on different ways of like, you know, there's some things like Zoom that we can do that are more live with parent consent. And there's some things that we're going to have to think about doing more of like recorded lessons um, and, you know, sending more um, things that parents can, you know, print off or get a packet packet from home. So figuring out what technology parents have um, and what their schedule is like, I think is a big part on and on our end. And I think for parents, um, just to know that we are here for them, that they can um, reach out to, out to us and that we um, are not judging them or thinking badly of them if they don't respond back right. to them. It's all, this is new for all of us.
0: So thank you, Carla and Comfort and Arthy, for joining us today.
1: Yes. Thank you guys so much.
0: Thank you for having thank me. You. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Talk to you all later. Thank you all so much for listening to CTU Speaks, Episode 17, Remote Learning, Teaching from a Distance. And whether you are listening from a distance or not, please subscribe to our podcast. Yes. On all the podcasting platforms, we would love to have you listen. Jim, how can they reach out to us?
1: They can give us a call at 312-467-8888. And they can also email us at ctuspeaks at ctulocal1.org. That would be fun. Yes,
0: please do not hesitate to reach out to us. Until next time, we are CTU Speaks.